I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Every time I hear this reading, it it, it just seems so ridiculous. You know, uh, it reminds me of that old TV series, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> Only people of a certain age even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you laugh, you're old. <laughs> you know who you are. That was such a dud. It's never been in reruns, so you had to be there to see that lovely thing. This. This is a deliberately ridiculous setup. The Sadducees are setting Jesus up with something that could never happen. I mean, the thing is, is if you were that seventh brother, would you want to marry this woman? <laughs> she married six previous brothers. You know, it's, it's like I would ask the coroner to do an inquest. But the point of it is, of course, that the Sadducees are making it sound ridiculous because to them, the idea that there was a resurrection from the dead was ridiculous. And in fact, looking be- between the lines, isn't that the way some people think today? Isn't, we li- we, many people in this world have a, have a false god called scientism, meaning nothing wrong with science. It's, it's the belief there's nothing beyond what we can see with our, with our five senses. If there's nothing else, it's, such a, it's, it's really a, quite a, it's a position not unlike what the Sadducees took. They said, well, all they believed in was the five books of Moses. And they couldn't see any evidence of resurrection in them, so therefore it didn't exist. It can't exist. We can't see it, so it doesn't. And here's a ridiculous setup, Jesus, to prove that it's not true. Um, the, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. They were moving in this direction. The first reading is from about 150 years before Christ. And you can see very clearly that this, this the Maccabees, this is the the scriptures from which Hanukkah is derived, those two books. They're very interesting to read. And you can see they prayed for the, they prayed for the dead in that. They believed in the resurrection of the dead already. So both of these, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, are two political parties. Israel was a theocracy. And they, right now the Sadducees are in power. They have money. They have power. They have influence. And to them, this meant that God was favoring them. If you were sick, ill, disempowered, or without money, God, either you sinned or your parents sinned. This is the theology of the day. And the Pharisees, who were the, what you might call the parish priests of their day, in other words, they were, the, they were the rabbis that worked with congregations, they knew that this was not true, that God did not reward the just always in this world or punish the wicked. You can see this in the Maccabees. The, these, they're losing their faith, their life, but they didn't lose their faith. They believed there was some, an, a coming age, so to speak. And we are privileged to know about the coming age. And so Jesus opens the window in answer to this ridiculous setup. He says, I'm going to show you a little bit about what's coming for all of us after the, after, uh, the resurrection of the dead. He said, now, While the children of this age marry and remarry, those deemed worthy, and how are we made worthy? It's through the blood of the Lamb. It's through his sacrifice that we, in baptism and and reconciliation, we are deemed worthy to the coming age. Imagine there's a coming age when all of this will be uh, made clear and different. And there you will neither marry nor be given in marriage because you can't die anymore. You'll be like the angels. What a, what a wonderful image this is. This, uh, as a priest, I've, I've uh, married many people and I've known many people. In my first year of priesthood, first or second year, 
Uh, I used to always do the midnight mass in Hillsboro because the pastor uh, gave it to me, you might say. He wanted to go to bed. And uh, I, I'm a lit night owl, so I really enjoyed it. I was really privileged to be able to do that there as a new priest. Um, and uh, it was, uh, at that time, they were the second or third largest uh, church in the diocese. Um, one, one midnight mass, I watched this wonderful family come in, the mother and father, and then their kids, and then the grandkids. And I just thought, what a fortunate they are to have so many great, great people, and they're all here at this midnight mass. And, you know, and Well, about a week and a half later, they were taking a walk, and uh, they both got run over. It was my day off, and I came home from wherever I was and found about 20 messages on my answering machine because they were friends of mine. And uh, he died, and she lived with a lot of metal and plates in, inside. And after, a few, she, after they went through a period of why did he die and why did I live, and many of you have been through this kind of thing with a spouse or, or a child, uh, she remarried. I was fortunate to, to do the wedding. I was already in Tilmuk by that time. And uh, what I found interesting... I got to know them, her husband and the new one. And what was really interesting, he also had had a loss. And they kept the, their former spouses on the mantle. That's, that's an unusual thing, isn't it? It's the elephant in the living room is who we were married to before. And how did it... <laughs> All right, maybe I shouldn't do that. I see there's a few elephants out there in the living room. But, you know, the question is... What kind of relationship am I going to have with my former spouse when we both when we're all gone? They are all gone now, and I found it very interesting because to me that was that was a great act of faith on their part. They 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 really followed this reading. They said, you know, we're not going to lose this relationship. In fact, we're going to remember it together. Um, And in fact, the Lord says, really, these relationships, not just marriage, we won't be exclusive anymore because you're eternal and you can't die, every relationship that we have is going to grow. We're just at the beginnings of eternal relationships. Just imagine. You know, it's all waiting for us. I went to this reunion, this, this uh, employee reunion last month, and many of us have been to high school reunions. It's, it was amazing to me that after 25 years of not seeing people, I could pick up as if no time had passed. Isn't that amazing? Such different lives we've led since then, but we all did something together suffered together and had joys together, and we picked up. And this is an image of heaven. Jesus, when he talks about heaven, he, the, the image throughout the Bible from the first chapter to the last chapter is marriage. We look at the beginning. The, first, the second chapter of Genesis is Adam and Eve, isn't it? The first couple, they were made for each other. Okay, that's stale. Uh, I don't care. Uh, the last chapter is the wedding of the Lamb, isn't it? We're all invited, not just to a wedding. We are marrying God. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine what that means. But this is the, this is the scriptures. What's the first miracle that Jesus performs? The wedding of Cana. What image does he use for heaven more than any other? A banquet at a wedding in the kingdom of heaven. A wedding reception in which you don't have to plan. You never have to stop eating. You come to these things like my ordination. I, there were people at that. that I, All these people together from every walk of my life, I've never seen them together again. Heaven is never ending. 
just like that, all the time in the world. And this is, there is no time. And this is the image that God uses. And he says, you know, these, these relationships you have are going to be healed, and they're going to grow, and they're never going to end, because you will be like the angels. What a wonderful image this is. Marriage, then, it's not perfect. None of our relationships are perfect. Sometimes we don't make it. Uh, but all these relationships, and particularly our families, are really schools of love. The Lord sees us as we will be, and everything in this world is intended as a preparation for the world to come. You know, I've joked about the parking lot. I'm more sick of it than any of you. I have to, well, I have to cross the Red Sea every time I want to go home. <laughs> I'm building the parish for a new pair of shoes, I guarantee you. But, you know, we, we put up with this because we see a good thing coming, don't we? We all know that there's a great thing coming. Oh, Lord, what year will it be? You know, but, uh, but I know it's coming, and I can put up with this. And it, it's, all these relationships are meant for the world to come. I don't care if it's, it's people in school, people we work with, people we're married to, the in-laws that we didn't choose. There's always somebody bugging us. Sometimes it's your spouse bugging you. I see there's a few of those out there, too. And this is, but this is part of God's plan. Where would I grow if everything was to my liking? Where would I grow without these trials and difficulties that God permits? The mystery of it is even we see with Mary and Joseph that somehow, though somehow they chose each other in that culture, God had a plan for them. And it's still unfolding in, this, in, in the present world using that marriage and the world to come. So the Lord then, there are great and very deep mysteries in this reading. It's, it's a very great and encouraging thing to realize that God is particularly using relationships. And ultimately, the relationship that all of this reflects is my relationship with the Lord God. Uh, this is another relationship that's not going to end. For to God... They are all alive. You see, to us they've passed from view, but not to God. So we are all connected, and we strive to gain insight into our own lives. Therefore, once again, the Lord brings us back to the great image of, of marriage, family, our own relationships of all kinds, because each one is destined to grow, to be healed. Uh, all of it is part of God's plan for us. And the Lord asks us then to look at his promises to us, to those deemed worthy to attain the coming age.